All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're so excited to have you here again with us. Uh, this is the podcast episode number 49. Um, as always, we've got Anthony Pierleone and we've got our chat man and questionnaire, uh, Kevin Minto. And tonight, uh, as a guest, uh, the Turtle Room's own Chris Leone, also of Garden State Tortoise. Um, so, Chris, glad to have you here. Same Anthony and Kevin. Thanks for having Pleasure me. To be here. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, before we get too deep into what we're going to talk about tonight, I first want to thank all of you viewers who have donated to the Turtle Room or purchased a calendar since we announced uh, that we had gone nonprofit um, basically uh, four weeks ago, the first Monday in November. Um, so far, we've raised about $2,200 of the 7000 that we need for startup funds. So if any of you are still unsure, uh, we'd um, really appreciate anything you could you could toss our way. And um, for some of the bigger donations, we're definitely throwing it. We'll throw some shout outs on social media, possibly, if you want as well. Like we, all sorts of things we could do for you. Um, uh, also, calendars. They are in stock. All the pre-orders have shipped out. Um, and uh, I mean, Anthony, have you seen them yet? Did you get yours? Absolutely. They're what was your take on the calendar, gorgeous. Anthony? They're absolutely gorgeous. I couldn't wait to show it off to my wife. Like, hey, you got to look at this. Look at these pictures. There were some species in there I really wanted her to see. And if you want to show off a species you're into and it happens to be in this calendar, these are the pictures to do it. It's like, I don't know. It's like the, um, it's like the Playboy pinup of turtle. Uh, turtle shoots because it really it's like it, they're not airbrushed or whatever like you know the pinup girls are but it's really just the most impressive photos ever a lot of them taken by chris um and other folks as well but man they're good photos i didn't even get a photo in there this year because i'm just not good enough as simple as that i'm not good enough to get a photo in there and i'm fine with that because the calendar looks amazing yeah, it's, you know, I I don't have one in there either. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a good looking calendar. Um, Chris and Kevin uh, always play a, a role in helping put that together as well between photos or some other um, behind the scenes stuff as well. Um, so um, in case any of you are asking about wondering, you know, what, why seven, why do you need 7,000 for a startup? Well, um, you know, some people start nonprofits for cheap, but they may not get their federal status. Um, we are a we have applied for our federal 501c3 status for one. Um, you can do it cheaper, uh, but you might not have a good lawyer helping you work through things. We really wanted to plan for the future so we don't have to rewrite bylaws in the future. Um, we really wanted to take a big view, say, where is the turtle room headed? And so um, between state fees, federal fees, and legal fees, that's where a lot of that comes in. Um, so... Once that's covered, we have great projects that we're, we'd really like to be able to, um, to build up even, even stronger. And so there'll be more coming out about those as we kind of meet this first fundraising mark. Um, uh, for instance, the Terrapin Nesting Project, which you may have seen uh, a lot about on Chris's pages, um, will... Uh, you know, that's one of those projects where we'd really like to put some more money in to really be able to grow that project and be able to meet some extra goals there. Um, so tonight's show uh, with Chris Honest, Chris and Anthony were both at the uh, TTPG conference, which was about three weeks ago, I think now. And already, wow. 
Jeez. And uh, so our first goal for tonight is to just kind of recap that conference, talk to them about some of their favorite moments, and uh, then we'll open it up to you for some Chris Leone Q&A uh, as we get towards the end of our show. It's my favorite type of Q&A. It really is. <laughs> Who doesn't like asking Chris turtle and tortoise questions, right? America's heart, America's heartthrob. He's, That's right. He's a dreamboat. I just had America's turtle words. heartthrob. Men want to be him and women want to be with him. <laughs> it's Chris Leone. Uh, it's ridiculous. Casey's going to have to fight him off with a stick. He's here, ladies and gentlemen. He <laughs> is here. This is happening, whether you like it or not. And I know you like it. That's what I meant to say. I feel like we need like a, uh, like a, like a TTR radio jingle. You know what I mean? Yeah, we really do. I've been listening to some other podcasts. We really do. You're listening to TTR Radio 101.9, playing your favorite holiday favorites and gangster rap. <laughs> I, Chris, I think between the two of us, we might be able to record something. We should, right? I mean, I, don't know, I probably just stole that from somebody. Only if I can sing it. Can I sing? Oh, yeah. You got to sing it. Yeah. Sure. Can I sing, though? Sure. Yeah, it's got to be you. It's, I think it should be. Yeah. You know, we'll have Chris sing it in pitch and you sing it off pitch at the same exactly. time. It'll sound okay. great. Good idea. Maybe we could do like a like a duet. People yeah. will think it's a reptile show if it sounds like that. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> just kidding. Ho, ho, ho. Anyhow. <laughs> that just happened. Yeah. Happy holidays, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yep, there you go. Back. It is December and we are definitely um in a joyous festive spirit tonight um so the first question i wanted to ask you guys actually um because i believe you were there before the conference started is uh the field trip this year was to good friend and turtle rooms team member andrew hermes's arizona tortoise compound facility so why don't you both give us you know a minute or two your quick impressions on andrew's op um, operation and maybe some things you might have learned that you're gonna try to apply to what you're doing and uh, Andrew's watching right now, by the way. He's on the chat. Oh, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> um, I, I have to say that, well, first of all, my favorite part of the whole thing was we got there late. Um, so by the time Ch our good friend Charlie picked us up from uh, the airport and got us there, we because um, we landed a little bit late and we got there as the rest of the conference was leaving on the bus. So we got to just hang out with uh, Andrew and his wife one on one and just kind of go through the place and, and take our time. And we, we spent I mean, we were there for like probably like four hours, just a few of us after the rest of the conference left. So it was great to catch up, obviously, because, you know, just because of our friendship. But um, his place is incredible. It, 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 I'll tell you what, not even just a tortoise, but if I was a parrot, I would want to live Mm -hmm. Arizona tortoise compound. I really would. His, you know, his, his enclosures are spacious, amazing, but, but simple the way they need to be. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I was just super impressed. You know, I, I have no concerns, you know, you know, nothing. Um, but probably my favorite part of that was, was the, um, the macaw aviary that he, uh, built for his, uh, macaws. You'll figure. <laughs> 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 we have a comment. Uh, Ray Gergi wants to know if you guys have been hitting the eggnog already. Um, oh man, that was a great idea. No, I had five Oreos before I started, though. If I seem a little wired, I have not. But if I was at Ray Gergi's house, I would be honored to have an eggnog with him right now. Yeah, I would too, Ray. 
I'm not an it. eggnog guy. I've yeah, never liked eggnog. It's no, just... I don't either. It, it actually, I've never had it, and the thought of it makes me want to throw up. However, I'll, I'll hit the Christmas punch, but not the eggnog. Oh, 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 I will oh. drink it with Ray Gurgi, though. I'll drink eggnog. Okay, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm throwing it out there. You know, I, I got, I got no problem with you, eggnog. It's dairy based, right? <laughs> yeah. It I, is dairy based. You could probably get a non-dairy Lamo version of it. You know, eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> That was stupid. <laughs> yeah, I should just say Andrew's place is amazing. Um, you know, being able to spend time with his wife was awesome. Um, Julene is is terrific. She's like the hospitality was amazing. They worked so hard. Bless their whole heart. They worked so hard to get the place ready for everybody. And I know just people had an amazing time. You could see it. People like really, really important turtle people who have been around for decades like you know um doing really important <laughs> stuff in the turtle world were there and people who i don't even necessarily have a good relationship with and we showed up late obviously because our plane got in a little late but um coming up to us and saying man this place is amazing like wow like what an awesome way to to step into andrew's place his new place for the first time and, and be able to check everything out it was it was just awesome i'm, I'm it's, hoping it's everyone's dream yeah, I'm I'm hoping to uh stop in and see it next year when I head out to Tucson in August. So oh, yeah, that's right. I, I mean, yeah, Julian was great too because she made sure that I got a cupcake within with like the first ten minutes that I was there. <laughs> nice. Can't go wrong with that, right? Well, that was definitely a major highlight for me, you know, and then came the turtles. So yeah. All right. Another fun one I thought that might be interesting to ask is um at these conferences you always get to meet a lot of new people. So who was your favorite new person? Oh, that's a tough one. Listen, that's gonna that's gonna make someone else upset. We're gonna say feathers. It's not about favorites. It's just one that stands out in your mind. There you go. So yeah, maybe most impressionable new person. Maybe we'll word it that way. Good question, Steve. I'm loving this right now. I mean, yeah, this is a really good question. I mean, I, I wow, you know, I would I would say for starters though, not that they're you know first, you know, time people. But I mean, we really had a you know a great time after the conference each night, going out to the sports bar with with John Green and Chris Hagen, and uh, and Michaela, you know. It, 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 and, but I mean, everybody was was I don't know. That's tough, man. Dave, huh. look at listen to you. You 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 just talked. You don't even have an answer, and you just talked. Yeah. Well, what, what do you want? You want me to be quiet? You want me to talk about eggnog again? Listen. Don't be afraid of the silence. Don't feel like you have to fill the silence. That's what I do during talks. We'll get to that too. We'll get to that <laughs> issue. <laughs> but filling the silence with ums and stuff like that. This is we're, we're all friends here. We're just this well, is just a chat I'm between really friends. Trying to to uh, it's it's one of those things where you get put on the spot. You kind of forget what even happened. And I can't believe it was three weeks ago. I can tell you my most disappointing friend situation was hanging out with John Green and trying all conference to try to get him to give me a TSA hoodie and not. Oh, that was rough. Yeah. 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 Or, or what about losing to Ronnie Hare uh, in a wrestling match? Because listen, I was trying to challenge John Green to a wrestling match, and Ronnie was like, "I'll do it," and I was like, "Okay." And yeah, I definitely bit off more than I could chew. Ronnie is is a man. He is a he is a. a <laughs> yeah, there's a me man. on my cell phone. So I think I could steal this Aldabra. I love this picture. <laughs> That's why I just sent it to Steve three minutes ago. Oh, uh, yeah. man, 
Isn't that great? You know, what? you know what? Paul Vandershaw was great. That was the first time that I've met him. Yeah, yeah. Paul Paul is great. He's fun yeah, to talk. He's a great guy, and he's he's a wealth of knowledge. He's super cool to hang out with, and you know I have some projects going on with him, so it was cool to oh okay face to the name finally. Um, that was great. Mark Cantos was awesome. That was the first time I met him. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. I mean, I had met him before. I'd been at the, several things with him, and had not talked to him. Wayne Hill is another person who I had met who I'd been at places before, but I actually hadn't met him. Like we've been in the same room several times at events and stuff like that. And because of something I said in my talk, he decided to come up to me afterwards and talk to me about it, which I, which was what, like what was it? What was it that you said? Uh, I kind of like dedicated my talk to Dave Lee a little bit, big surprise. I talk about Dave and write about Dave all the time, but um, kind of my theme for my talk really felt like the type of stuff that he would talk about and, and write about. So um I felt like it was only fitting to kind of open up my talk with a quote from him. David Fabius. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a sweetheart. He's in South America. He keeps a bunch of South American stuff, right? He wrote the Mata Mata book, right? Yeah. No, he didn't. No, which, which, which one? Uh, what did no, you I mean? lied to you about that. Because uh, David Fogel wrote the Mata Mata book. Oh, so it's your fault. So you can explain that. Um, yeah, it was, it's totally my fault. No, but he, I saw him like, oh, yeah, the South American guy, he wrote the Mata Mata No, he didn't. It's a different David F. He, yeah. No, he's big time though. Yeah, he was great. He he actually um, he wanted to talk to me about microchipping because um, yeah. he's actually experiencing some issues with it with the with the Spixii and, and some of the other species that he's using it on. Interesting. He's saying, he's saying that the the microchips are going missing, so he wanted to talk to me about them because I talked about how all of our testudo were microchipped by the European Union and how we use the microchips now. Uh, our own microchips for the terrapin nesting project. Yeah. Uh, so he, I mean, it was a brief conversation. He said that it would probably be better if we got together through email at some point, but he was, he was excellent. His, he did three talks, right? Uh, I, I think, thought it was two when I looked at I think space. two. Yeah, I think two. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, but his talks were awesome. I mean, just so much to learn about. You know, he, he, he made me interested in those species that I wasn't really that interested in that, you know? Yo, he hatched three acanthichelys spixii from one egg wow a triplet egg that's awesome of that species nobody can hatch them in general he yeah. hatched three from one egg and he's he said he get he got he was reporting how many eggs he got it's insane he got like 350 eggs within like three months from of spixie yeah yeah so that's i don't even know what the common name is for that species it's one of the twist neck turtles. Turtles. They they they're the ones from South America that have the spines on their yeah. neck. Mm -hmm. um, they're yeah, so cool. They call them twist necks, or is that or is that uh, platymies? They call twist necks. Yeah. Oh yeah, the platymies are right. The swamp. What are they? I think it's something swamp. I don't know about that. Something swamp turtle. I mean, the the western swamp tortoise has the neck that's thing the, too, that's, but yeah, they're from Australia. Australian. Yeah. Swami. Steve, can you grab like a Wikipedia page for them? Yeah, I can. I can. Show? Just so people know what we're talking about. Because, I mean, that's not a species that I expect everyone necessarily to know. I'd love to take this opportunity for somebody. Um, uh, to kind of yeah, learn about so, yeah. Spiny necked swamp turtle. Oh, you nailed it, Kev. Look at Kev's reaction. <laughs> F you, Anthony. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. I don't think so, Tim. I mean, the two, I don't think so, Tim. The TTPG guys themselves were great. You know, um, I got to hang out with, uh, uh, talk to James Badman a little bit, which was nice. He was talking to me about uh, genetics that, uh, you know, comparing the the work that they've done on the Galapagos tortoises to the work that I've done on Hermans. 
And he was talking about how he's got some Hermans from like the 1970s that he would love to, you know, if there's any way that we could have those tested too. So that was cool. You know, that was a guy that I, I've always known who he was, but never spoke to him before. Um, you know, trying, I mean, I mean, really, you know, there were so many people, everybody was great. It was really just a pleasant, you know, pleasant experience. Pete Jansemo is a great guy. Um, you know, I don't know if you have anything to add to any more people. But. George Heinrich was um, a pleasure. Oh, George, to... is, George is great. I met him yeah, the sure. first time I was at TSA. He was actually one of the first people I met at my first TSA conference. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah his talk was fantastic. He, he's been giving that talk all over the country. He gave it yeah. at the TSA conference as well. You Spectacular. That, you could tell that it was like, yes. uh, you know. As good as he no, I, he is a talented, no, I mean a brilliant man. But you can tell because he delivers it so well. His jokes, yep. his jokes come off so smoothly. Yep. Yeah, he's he was so good though. And I I went up to him after his talk and I said, "Listen, I really wish we could just clone you. Like the world needs more of you. Like you look at him and you would never necessarily think that it's just like you know really like so intelligent and so." caring and passionate like he was just amazing he's amazing um it was an honor to be able to to see him so ralph ralph just texted me and said what about me ralph i love you man oh, ralph, ralph, Till. You're not, ralph you're not new you're, you're, you're not new though. you're old news now buddy <laughs> <laughs> well so some of the things you guys brought up while we're talking about some of the people are kind of where i wanted to go next is um <clears throat> Is some of the talks, and I had a few different categories I was going to ask you about, and so we might you might bring up some of these same talks again. But so um, the the first one I wanted to talk to or to ask you about was the one that you learned the most from. Like, what talk was the one that you were like, oh my goodness, and just kind of like you're like I I'm going to take this stuff and I'm going to learn it, like this I've learned this stuff and I'm going to take it and use it kind of thing. Can I just preface this, Steve? That's such a good question. And I, I think I'm really interested to hear what Chris says because I already have mine in my head. But I think what your interests are and kind of who you are, like like what realm you kind of fit into this like conservation, preservation, turtle, reptile, animal world will will determine what really speaks to you. Because there were so many good talks. Yeah. That's why it's such it's, a good question. Exactly. I'm telling you, man, you are on the ball right now. Yeah, but first you can go ahead and start, and then I'll come in with mine. Um, hmm. Okay, I can start. <laughs> uh, I, I, really, I liked Doug Dix's talk. Um, oh, good one, yeah. yeah. What was that one on? It, it was just basically about him moving his animals, which is something that several of us just went through. Yeah. And, yeah, so it was about him moving these animals and what he did uh, to set them up, predator protection, the issues that he went through. And it was, it was, it was just great to, um, you know, he talked about like the, the mistakes that he made and stuff. And that's a lot of yeah. what got me with that was a lot of people are afraid to admit they've made mistakes, you know? So and, where does he live? Did he move within the same state or like, was it a big move? No, it's a big move. I, I believe he moved from wherever he was to Florida. Right. Anthony. I think he moved from Washington state to Florida. Okay. So oh, wow. He was talking about like one part that got me was like the rainfall, how he had to deal with that, building the pens up, working with the substrate. How many times have I called you ready to hang myself because I can't, you know, deal with the rain anymore, you know? And some of the things that he brought up in his talk were points that I've brought up in 
in, in the past or even in my talk that I did there about how, you know, surveying the area, take it in first, see what's going to happen. In, in my case, I was in such a rush and it was such a bad time of year that, you know, I explained in my talk how the whole first row of pens ended up having to be removed because I couldn't deal with the flooding. There was nothing I could do. So that was some of the stuff that he, he talked about. And it was nice that he was like saying like, look, I've made this mistake. Don't, you know, listen to me. Don't make it yourself. So that was like yeah. overall, like what I really appreciated about his talk, you know? Um, and, and then that was just initially the first thing that got me. That was also one of the very first talks. I think he went right after you, you know? Yeah, he was the, I was the first talk. He was the second talk of the conference. He was amazing. Yeah. Um, the talk that spoke to me most was Chris Hagen's. Oh yeah. Um, I, he's always amazing and I wouldn't necessarily pick him just because it's, he just, you expect him to be perfect. You expect him to be there. You expect him to be perfect, uh, to deliver every time. And he did not disappoint, but, um, I just felt like his talk, because there's so much. So his talk was on the flowerback complex, the, the yeah. Galbitifrons complex, the, the yeah. uh, flowerback box turtles, um, Coral Galbitifrons, Beretti, and Picturata. But he really like veered off topic like quite a bit. And really it ended up being a talk mostly uh, of two parts. Number one being what they're doing at the TSC. So you got a lot of really good um, husbandry and, and update like information about what they're building and what they're working on down there. But then also uh, juxtapose that with um, kind of the situation in Asia and, and um, the price and, and demand for some of these species, how certain species are completely um losing value and uh oh, yeah that's right supply yeah. is far outweighing the demand and then also just species that are going through the roof so like we see with so many species where uh their value just doesn't make sense all of a sudden overnight they're they're worth 10 times more or 10 times less and it's all based on the asian market he's mm -hmm. reporting back to us what he's seeing because the guy travels the world more than i travel the state that i live in and um we're, we're, we're mind boggling, you know, the, the insane your volume of flava marginata and trifasciata that were, I mean, just, I mean, I mean like flies, just every age group yeah. size, just piles and piles of them and how they're not moving. And that's where it comes back to, like you're saying, comes back to us like, Oh, well, that's why the price or the availability changed in the last 24 hours practically. Yep. Yep. And it's funny to see how things go more slowly here, but you know, you can rest assured that if, the price dropped to that over there and that's what they're willing to pay for them. Then the price in America will drop close to that um, as well. And uh, Chris is talking about Flavo Marginata and Trifasciata. That's the Chinese box turtle and the golden coin turtle um, in case anyone's wondering, but uh, yeah, the, the price on them has gone down immensely. And then other species like um, what are they? The yellow headed box turtle, Cora aurocapitata. That's another species I just know by the scientific name, but their price is astronomical right now. Um, and it just goes on based on, you know, what's available and how many people decide that they want it. Like we saw here with Quang Tung's and um, Vietnamese pond turtles when the price went through the roof and now they're back down to $50. Charlie was just selling some Quang Tung's for $35, but they were $2,500 each for hatchlings in 2016. So the price goes based on what uh, the, the Asian market, you know, de determines. Talk about, talk about a free global market in that. Respect. It's amazing. I just want to throw in there too, you know, um, which kind of ties in with, with what I was saying about Doug. Um, Chris was talking about the big issue that they're having with breeding Cora Beretti. 
um, and how they're having more success with galbinifrons and picturata, but that they're going through issues with Beretti with, with egg fertility, you know, um, like they, I forgot the statistics he showed, but it's just such a low uh, number compared to the other two species. And he was sharing that and talking about how maybe they've been, you know, maybe we've all been wrong about like certain overwintering temperatures that they should or shouldn't be subjected to. So it was another like, okay, we know this now. It may not be a positive piece of information so far, but here's something that we can share with you. And that's what we did. And, and for me, I've been having problems with breeding Beretti too. And so it was, it, it, I took that home with me. I was like, okay, you know, I'm not crazy. You know, um, but you're I'm, keeping them really, you've kept them really warm. They've always gotten cool. They've always gotten cool, but compare, you know I mean? Like, again, I mean, we could talk about that forever, but yeah, they, they have kept being kept warm, but they have gone through a cooling to an extent, you know, maybe not what, you know, I don't know, but, um, and, and the other thing he did is he touched on, on the success that they're having with breeding Corusarata, which is not, a currently recognized species or subspecies, but it is something that, you know, more and more researchers and keepers are thinking needs more attention because it's like this super hybrid that may be in the end, the ultimate survival for some of these species because they're getting destroyed so badly. Um, well, it's a naturally it's cool. occurring hybrid. It's naturally occurring, yeah. Um, so this will probably overlap with the last category. It's why I put these two back to back. Um, some what about the most useful information you got from a talk? Sometimes where you learn the most isn't necessarily the stuff that you're going to be able to just go and say, oh, I'm going to use this right now. So what would have been the most useful? Ooh. And they went silent. Don't be, don't be afraid <laughs> of the silence, Chris. Uh, I'm, I'm, not be afraid of the I'm trying to remember everything. There was you know good amount of talks, and I was there for just about all of them. Uh, yeah. You know, I, um, I'm going to say this, Christine lights talk about her Sulawesi mm. project where she's trying to help the, uh, Yuanoi and the forest that's the Sulawesi forest tortoise and, um, Sulawesi forest turtle and Forsten's tortoise. Um, what I got from her and what was the most useful to me was regardless of what it is, you, you don't give up. And we go through aspects of keeping conservation. Okay. Like, like people like us, we're involved in both things. We, we keep turtles, we breed them, and we're also active in the field in trying to save them one way or another, whether it's the wood turtle surveys that we do or the Terrapin nesting project. And, you know, Christine is, is going through absolute hell over there with, you know, they first, they start this group of Forsten's tortoises. They're, they're actually getting them from locals that are trying to sell them, you know, and, and then, you know, half the group gets pulverized. I forget what the, the different reasons that she was saying were going on and just like going out in the field and not seeing any, you know, and, and like going all the way over for, for, you know, to spending money and time and effort to try to get started, you know, in, in, yeah. in accomplishing something with these species and having no luck at all because of what we as humans have already done to them. But she does not give up. She does no. not give up no. at Christine's all. Christine's great. I, yeah. I really, I really like Christine. In fact, this is one of the, this is one of the couple of research projects I know that are going on where I'd love for us to be able to help um, support did, that, support did, that work. You did donate so that, that yeah. you know, on behalf of all of us, so, <laughs> but the, um, it, it was just incredible to see that. And it, and it, that's what I was able to really take home with for me. I, I mean, I got points from everybody's talks about maybe I should like even the Beretti thing. Oh, maybe I should keep them warmer or cooler or whatever. But you know, for Christine's talk, it was just like, you know, just when you think you have it bad, 
you know, there's somebody that has it worse, but she's still powering through. She, you know, she's not letting anything stop her because her heart, her mind is set on saving those species. And it's the same thing with us. Like, granted, there's a lot more diamondback terrapins in the world than there are of those two species. But look at what we're going through down there. For every nest that we get, there's 10 more that the raccoons and the crows and the poachers get. So it's, you know, it's, it just, in other words, it's, uh, I was able to take some hope home from that. And you can even apply that to keeping, you know? I would say for me, it was watching Michael Skibstead, the young man oh, who I call a phenom, who was a um, who was an amazing guest on our show, maybe four months ago, three months ago. He's um, he's uh, he's the young man who went to Madagascar three months um, ago. We had him on in September. Okay, okay, thank you. Um, and I knew if anyone would know, it would be you um, or Ralph. And uh, he was. Terrific, really. I mean, he got up there with confidence and swagger. Yeah, fourteen years old, killing it. He had so much more confidence than I did when I spoke, and I sat there watching him. Like, man, this is this is just amazing, and it kind of gives you a newfound energy yourself that, and 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 optimism. When when we spend so much time talking about these really glum things, you know, kind of nature and, and turtles specifically and, and what's happening with the environment and, and natural spaces and, and the animals that um, live there. Uh, it can be really glum, a lot of these uh, related topics. And just to yeah. see a young person like that get up there and command the stage and just say stuff that's just so far beyond the comprehension level that a 14 year old should have and just thinking, wow, like the future's in good hands. And I heard a lot of really big time people just you know gushing over him really and uh, I, I will say if i could just plug to the, the ttpg was amazing and russ was so good he said you know a lot of times that we look like god's waiting room out here and then it took a second <laughs> and everyone just started laughing it was so good because it's true you look through the crowd and there's a lot of people who have you know let's just say they're very experienced and it's so important to get the next wave in there. And was great, and and he worked hard to to get um, young people at the conference and offered like forty dollars scholarships uh, when you actually sign up yourself. And there were a ton of young people there. I think there were, uh, I think there were, I don't know exactly how many there were, but there was there was a lot of young people there that normally wouldn't be there and hadn't been there when I was there in the past. So kudos to to Ross and what they're doing and. Um, it's just, it was great to be a part of that. Yeah, awesome. Um, so the next category that I had for you was, um, if you think through all the talks, um, the most underrated, like probably maybe the one that like people wouldn't come out and like be the first one they talk about, but when they really sit back and think through the conference, they go, oh, you know what? That, I, think, I think that one might have been really good. I like I liked Ashley from Zoomed's talks. You know, she was talking about um, was it was it Podok Nemi's Vogelai that she did the yeah, talk? Yeah, I think so. That was really good. You know, and it was like that's not even a species that like I've ever even thought about. You know, I mean, just because they're really big and aquatic, and just not one that I've really personally been attracted to. But you know, and I I sat there, listened to her talk, thought it was really good, and then but then looking back on it, it's like what's nice about talks like that is that they. They, they grow your interest in some species that you're not necessarily, maybe you weren't really necessarily into, you know what I mean? So, and, and it's, and I, you know, if I do decide to get into them one day, like she's the person that I would talk to about because they did breed them, they did hatch them, you know, and she talked about 
you know, how they um, receded the water level to like nothing and like made it tidal, you know, which got these turtles to feeling like, okay, you know, we're, we're up for doing this now, you know, such important information. You're right. That was yeah, really- just these little tidbits that are like, you know, it's even some of the stuff that we've talked about before that we do for our own animals. It's like, you wouldn't believe what worked, you know, yeah. we did this, you know, and, and that was one of them. It's like, wow, there, there you go. And, and sometimes replicating nature. I mean, a lot of times that's at least what I love to do. Replicating nature, is what makes these animals feel like they're at home. Yeah. You know, I think those are the ones that often may, might actually fit this category really well. That's not a species that I think anybody is like, Ooh, I really want to go here and talk about Podoctomus ugly, right? Like in general, I don't think that's like, front of people's minds but then you you do and you're like oh and then so like yeah, i think yeah, that's, yeah. i think it's a really good one for the category yeah, and there was there was a couple um well paul, paul vandershaw did his talk was about um smithy. uh yeah. yeah that's right smithy and uh yeah. there was another one in there wasn't there and that was i mean that is a species that a lot of people yearn to keep you know but um you know the information that he was given in there was really cool you know and and there are there. That's the thing is like, it's all coming back to me now. I'm sitting here thinking about the whole conference. I'm like, yeah, this was cool. That was cool. Overall, it was very welcoming, very comforting. And it was, it was a wealth of knowledge. It really, really was, you know, fact check. Uh, Vogelai is, is actually not that large. They're like the second smallest. Autognemis. Well, I mean, for me, anything bigger than five inches in aquatic is a bit of a pain in the butt. Yeah, they're still a foot plus long turtle, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think they're a foot plus. Are they? Wikipedia. They're not as small as the redheads, the redheaded products, but they're small. Right. Red, I've seen the redheaded be almost a foot long. I don't know, man. I don't think they're over a foot. These yellow blotches, these yellow blotches and diamondbacks are big to me. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have to fact check that. We'll get back to everyone. We'll make a post about it on. Everybody's uh, probably googling it right now. Going social what media. Idiots. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Turtle room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you. There's not oh, a whole lot of account information on them out there. I'm gonna have to pull. I'll pull a book off my shelf here while while we're talking through the next uh, next one. Um, and then uh, the last category. Oh, really quick, let me just say I do have to say this. Curtis Ippolito's talk on Tabasco mud turtles. Oh, that yeah. was one that I was like, I even said to him right after. I was like, Well, thanks, man. Thanks for making me want a turtle that. Like I need another turtle, like a hole in the head, you yeah. know, but he did. And, and it just, I loved his passion about that species. Oh yeah. Like, you know, why, why don't you like these, you know? So. Well, actually I'll, uh, the reason why I loved his talk is that he tried. So um, the, the comedy central roast of James Franco, everybody gets up there and this is from a few years ago and everybody just crushes them. It's all inappropriate jokes and, and sexual jokes and everything else. It's just the way roasts are. It's the way they've been since Steve Martin and everything. And then Andy Samberg gets up there and roasts himself. He like acts like he's going to make fun of James Franco, but then roasts him. And it was so funny. And the way he did it was completely different. And I felt like Curtis has reminded me of that. Number one, it was hilarious. His titles, nobody was laughing, but I was standing in the back of the auditorium at that point. And I was just like trying to keep myself from scream laughing and like taking the attention away from him on the stage. Cause I thought they were so funny and he just approached it in a way that nobody else would. And I thought that that was really cool. Yeah. Um, it's, he's been fine tuning his talk on them for, for a while. Um, he's, you know, he's gained a lot more knowledge and um, uh, he gave a, I had him present on that species at TSA in Tucson when we were there last time. And so he's, he's learned so much more since then, even more about that species. And so I'm not, I'm not surprised that he really cranked the, that talk up a bit. Well, yeah. what I'm trying to say is he didn't, I guarantee you the talk was totally different than what he gave at TSA I'm because sure. he's got up and he said, 
I'm not going to sit here and talk about how I keep them, how like like what I do to hatch the eggs, anything about their natural history, like literally nothing that a normal talk would be about. It was basically like a sales pitch because he had a short yeah, it was talk, kind of- so it was like 15, 15 minutes. It was just a sales pitch where he said, I like this species because of the color of that like the color of their soft tissue i like the i like the color of their carapace i like their be i like the way they behave when they do this behavior i like them because of this and why don't you and and like oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's really They're cool awesome. it was like fine that's yeah. cool yes, I yeah. Yeah. so it's completely different and that's what i really loved about his talk yeah. so there All right. I uh, a book, by the way oh i have that book probably yeah, so this one talks about 38 millimeters, Anthony, which is uh, 15 inches. Yeah, Sorry, 380 well. millimeters, 38 centimeters, 15 inches. That's a big term. You know what? Just because one of them got to be that big doesn't mean anything. You and me are the same species, Chris. Because you can't keep it in this doesn't mean it's small. <laughs> you can keep it in that. <laughs> it depends on who you are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was sarcasm, oh. ladies and gentlemen. That was sarcasm. Nobody wants to keep a 15 inch turtle in that. Yeah. 13 inch tote. Just kidding. I don't even think that's a tote. It's a plastic sweater box. Sweater box. <laughs> All right. And so, um, one more. Which one like shocked you or surprised you the most? Like, you were like, oh, holy crap from the content of a talk like some some bizarre fact you heard that you didn't expect to hear or you know something anything along those lines that was like oh man that really stood out just even that even a little tidbit probably from, david fabius probably yeah, yeah. Here. i was just gonna say the fact that someone is not only hatching that species regularly but hatching them in humongous numbers yeah. and like in the age of the internet like how did i not know that like obviously Russ knew it. Obviously people know it, but like, how did I not know it? I really, I spend every waking hour either researching, doing something related to turtles, or wishing I was doing something related to turtles. So, how how did I miss that one? Yeah, is su- super impressive. Yep. Yeah, I fully agree with that one. All right, one last one last TTBG thing, and I, I'm gonna put a put a dis. Uh, uh, a restriction on this. The answer to this cannot be Anthony's wrestling match with Ronnie Hare. Okay. So the answer cannot be that. What was your favorite conference moment? That wasn't my favorite conference moment. I'll tell you that right. <laughs> oh, I am. I mean, I can't repeat what he said, but my favorite conference conference moment was the final night when. We were at the sports bar. Um, it was you, Charlie, me, Chris Hagen, John Green, Michaela, um, James Hall, and I think there was one or two other people. And John Green kept falling asleep. <laughs> it was a long conference for a lot of us. We went you know, yeah, we, we were with his wine. Okay. And now he's he's in this chair and he just keeps like what, you know, I'm not going to say some of the things he said, but he'd wake up and he'd be like, screw you guys. And then just, <laughs> but he never spilt that wine. 
That's right. It was a long conference. We were working very hard. Oh, yeah. Some some of us took it really seriously. We were going to wake wake up early, stay up late. You know, jet lag, yep. all the that's, all the rest of TSA, it. TSA, man. I got Four home and, and got night. sick immediately. Yeah. And, yeah. Hey, I, I have to say this. I have to say this last part because it involves the animal aspect of it. Probably my fi- at least on par with John Green's moments. My favorite conference moment was seeing massive adult sulcata tortoises in an Arizona environment. It gave yeah. me entirely new appreciation for those animals. And that's the kind of area that they belong. When you see them that you're just like, you know, I, I, it's like the openings, you know, one of the opening scenes of Jurassic park when they, when they first see the brachiosaurus coming up out of the swamps, you know, it's like, it was just yeah. something so beautiful about it. You know, they're not restricted. They can burrow as far as they, far as they want. They're safe. I mean, they even, uh, Andrew even found a baby or didn't Charlie find it. Yeah. Yeah, we found a baby that, that hatched in the ground there. That was just – that's such a popular tortoise that gets so much good and bad attention because of how big they get and because their price is so cheap that everybody buys them right away, raises them up, and then the rest of us get phone calls. I need you to take my big male sulcata. I want to send them all there because it's just – the way he's got them set up is just fantastic. It was great. High five. Yeah, it was, it was really terrific. And I'll um, – my favorite moment, I, I was getting ready to talk. I was freaking out. So I I was the keynote speaker for the conference, which to me, I thought keynote was like a really important speech at some point, like the one who would speak during the banquet or something like that. So I was, so I didn't know that. I just thought I was going first. And then when Russ introduced me, I uh, pooped my pants. But before that, I was, I was, I was out of my mind. I never get anxious ever, ever. I'm like, normally just go with the flow, but I really care about this stuff a lot. And I was freaking out because my talk, I tried to do something a little bit different than, than what I would normally do. Um, I tried to, you know, do what Curtis did and probably fell a lot shorter than he did um, for sure. But anyway, I'm getting ready to go up and I'm just out of my mind. And it's like five minutes before I go on and James Hall comes over. And I, I don't even know if he knew I was the first talker or what, but he came over with my book and asked me to sign it. And he's someone who I talk to all the time, all the time. And he's a keeper at the uh, Phoenix Zoo. He's such a nice guy. He's such a nice guy. And we'll actually have him on the podcast um, in February as a guest. Um, but he's really passionate about turtles. He's a really dedicated young uh, zookeeper who loves turtles and um, among other animals. But to ha- to be able to meet him at that moment and to you know have him bring my book up, it was like, such an amazing moment that probably saved me from really crashing and burning during my talk and only crashing and burning a little bit. Um, which <laughs> I is what actually happened. <laughs> but I was just, I was like in the middle, I was sitting next to Charlie Moorcroft and I was telling, I was in the middle of telling him like how much I was freaking out. And then here up walks James and like saves the day for me totally. And I don't think he has any idea how much it meant to me, but I, I will say I'm like, at times like that, when I'm anxious, I'm like Michael Scott from The Office. Like I will, like based on what happens to me immediately before, or like like uh, something that someone says to me in passing, I could either be like on cloud nine or like in the gutter mentally. And um, he was just awesome. So look forward to having him on in February. And that was really a moment that meant a lot to me at the conference. Nice. Um, so I mean, it was perfect. Chris, yeah, give me the highlights of Anthony's talk. The highlights of Anthony's talk. Well, he embarrassed the hell out of me. <laughs> That's true. I did. He did. 
Uh, uh, yeah, he uh, <laughs> he used uh, a couple photos of me in it that uh, you know, um, covered my wonderful height that never happened. Um, but he, it was very unique, and and I told him from the get go, you know, when he, he wasn't sure how well it was going to go over, that. I knew it would go over well because he was doing something different, you know, and he was bringing the education aspect to it, which is something that the TTPG and really any turtle or tortoise organization is really big on. And that's what he was talking about. And he brought, you know, he, he had a picture of, of Shannon in there. He had a picture of Cambria in there, you know, and he had a, like, it was very family oriented, very from the heart. And then he even went as far as he brought up Flavos and like why they're such a good turtle, you know, and you know stuff like that but i just like the fact that he it's kind of like what i always talk about with, when i talk to you guys and i'm venting to you guys about how different sides need to merge and, and different you know what i mean that kind of stuff and he brought the educational aspect to the talk to the conference and i feel like it really kind of set the tone a little bit because you would hear people mention similar type things as the conference went on it was kind of like a it was kind of like an un um unspoken vibe that just kind of went on, you know, where people were, were just being a little more passionate about things than, than maybe they would be. And each talk had a little bit of a more personal, personal, personal feel to it than maybe they would have if he didn't set that stone, that, that tone. I don't know why I'm having a problem with words tonight. It's all right. It means a lot, man. Anthony, where is your slideshow anyway? My slideshow? Yeah. From your presentation. Oh, it's not saved there because it's um, I did it in Prezi instead of slides. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, sure yeah. So I had to actually, I had it looked really nice. As, yeah, but it, I paid for it, man. It was, it, and I don't mean I almost. It, it's a long story, but when I was trying to get my presentation to work and was freaking out, I paid. I signed up to pay like two hundred twenty-eight dollars a year for a Prezi subscription so that they would let me download it. And then the download was going to take three hours. So I had to get the internet to work. It was pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. It was like right up there. Luckily. So they didn't have the right cord they needed for the laptop. So Uh, Kurt had to run to Walmart, I think. And if, if that didn't happen, my talk wouldn't have been ready on time, but luckily it seemed like it was their delay. It was delayed by a few minutes. It seemed like it was their delay, but it was really like, I was right there with them and like, Thank goodness they lined up. And this is why I was a nervous wreck. On top of the yeah. fact that I was talking about something that was kind of like education based as opposed to just here's this species, this is what I do for the which is a super important talk. I just wanted to try to do something different and it was great in concept until I tried to do it and then I was freaking out. You kept it together though, like it didn't look like you were freaking out, but I'll be honest with you, I was trying to keep it together for you and I was freaking out for you. I literally went <laughs> outside and I called Casey and I was like, Oh my god, his talk's not gonna play. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? What do you mean this talk's going to play? He's like, I don't know. It's just not going to work. <laughs> Is there any way we can emotional. get an exported PDF or share that with, share your slideshow with folks if they want to look through it? Yes. For yeah. You know, yes. we did film too. Now okay. we had a little bit of technical difficulties. We got most of my talk missed the ending and we got most of Chris's talk and missed probably the middle. And then we got all of Michael Skipstead's talk. So okay. enjoy. But uh, yeah, so it, it, we did want to film them and try to film them this year. But um, right. unfortunately, I was having some technical difficulties with my camera. Okay. But Kevin's going to splice them together. And hopefully, you can get the essence of a talk You know, yeah. um, through. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 
Now you're going to ask me about his talk? I was. I can answer this succinctly, and I'm excited about that because I don't always do that. Chris's talk was absolutely awesome, and I'll tell you why. And this isn't just kiss each other's butt. I really, his talk was awesome because when you, when you could hear someone, just like we were talking about with George Heinrich and, and Chris Hagen and Paul Vanderschau and like so many other people who did such a great job. His, his name pronounced Paul Vanderschau. I always want to say Vanderschau. Um, Sorry, Paul. Sorry, Paul. I love you. It's a tough one. You know that. You, you know, you've known it your whole life. Um, but when you hear someone like that who knows the subject so well that they don't have to think, and from a presenter's perspective, as somebody who really struggled with what they were saying because it was kind of conceptual, it was my first time talking about it, and maybe I was a lot more nervous than a normal person, being able to hear someone speak about something that they're so passionate about, that they know inside and out. And Chris's was the epitome of that. Like they could have given him six hours and it wouldn't have been enough time. Didn't matter when you cut it off. It was going to be, you know, it's like the NCAA March Madness, like 64 teams, 16 teams, 600 teams. It doesn't matter. Like you're going to have to cut it off somewhere. You know, there's always another team you could put in. And um, that's a lie because there's not 600 teams in division one. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. 500 and something. I said I was going to be succinct, and I'm not. I think it's 400. It's around 400, I think. But he was awesome. It's an honor to be able to to hear someone who's so passionate about about a subject and so knowledgeable. And that's really the takeaway. Is like he's he's talking about things at a level that people don't even know exists. You know, it's like when you see a bodybuilder who's got you know well defined muscles that I don't even think I have in my body, let alone. <laughs> pumping them up you know what i mean like it's just it's amazing uh what he's into and to be able to to hear it like that is is a real treat and it's stuff that i've heard him talk about countless times but it's still good because there's always these little wrinkles things that he's passionate about excited about that are happening new developments mixed in with everything that really keeps it fresh and awesome thanks man yeah yeah Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. I think uh, that was that was fun hearing about that. I really hope our listeners felt the same way listening to you guys talk about TETPG. What does three fifty one mean? That's the full, full. That's the Division One basketball schools. There you go. There you go. All right. I want to make sure that if that's what it was. Thank goodness that's what it was because I didn't know. Um, he just wrote it in the chat. We have a chat, so we can talk to each other when we're talking to each other. It's amazing, but it's very tough to multitask. I can't chew bubblegum and walk at the same time, but he just put up that it was 351. Um, and so I wanted to ask him what it was. Luckily, it's not something embarrassing that you were talking about. <laughs> 351, that's my weight. That's how much I weigh. <laughs> I, I, I was lower spot. than that now, but you know. No, I was lower than that before, but uh, that's just, that's about what, what's going on. So there you go. I embarrassed myself. All right. Um, Mr. Minto. What do we got for yeah. Chris? So a couple questions that have come in over the past uh, 50 minutes. Just going to throw them out there now. Okay. Uh, the first one was from Cole Schramm. Mm -hmm. uh, Egyptian tortoise substrate, specifically crushed oyster shell, seems to be a hot button topic in the tortoise Facebook groups. What are your guys' official official professional opinion on this subject? Let me great, start great, by saying great question. that everything is a debatable, hot, Oh my God, over the top, smack yourself in the face situation on tortoise forms. Okay. Um, here's the thing everybody gets afraid of impaction. Okay. One day it was sand, then the next day it was 
bubble gum, then it now it's oyster shell, okay? Anything and everything can cause impaction. It's how you feed the animal, it's how you create the substrate, uh, how you create the terrain and everything else that you're doing inside the enclosure. So oyster shell is the go-to substrate for Egyptian tortoises because it's it, it enables these animals to stay dry even when you're creating an, a humid air for them because they occur on the coast. So as time's gone on, I, I play with more naturalistic stuff. You know, I add a lot of sand to our enclosures and, and different grades of gravel. And then people will write in and say, oh my God, Chris, you're going to kill all your tortoises. And I, I'm like, you know what? You're right. Maybe. I, I don't know why people do that because there's, there's, a, there's an if and or but for every single situation. Ralph, Ralph Till, probably mm -hmm. the biggest Egyptian tortoise breeder in this country. Okay. No, number two. I consider him number one. And, He's number one in my heart. Okay. I'll tell you that right now. And he he uses oyster shell, and the guy's got no problems. And that's I took that from him, and from you know, just growing up, learning about testudo and how to keep them. And a lot of earlier on problems, we're trying to figure out how to keep these tortoises on some kind of a substrate that somewhat naturally uh, mimics the wild. And I have found no issues with oyster shell. Um, there have even been a couple people, one in particular, I won't give out any names just in case they don't want this information out there, that had um, necropsies done on deceased Egyptian tortoises and there was no oyster shell found inside them. They were impacted for another reason. I forget what it was, but it wasn't, it wasn't the oyster shell. And, you know, they, again, you know, not going to give out names. I don't have proof to show you, but... I can tell you, I have never had a problem with it. I've been keeping Egyptians since I was, I think the, my, my parents bought me my first Egyptian tortoise before I could drive. I was probably 13 or 14 years old. I don't still have that animal, but you know, I, I've had so many different ones throughout the years and I've always used oyster shell as at least a component in the substrate for them. I've never lost a single one because of it. So. I, I think it's interesting to, to say just, to, you know, to as commentary on this hot button topic is mostly sand substrate mostly really naturalistic enclosure i have a really minimalistic enclosure for my egyptians uh, enclosures the, the way that i designed them for my egyptians and there and i use crushed coral exclusively mm -hmm. so just to show you right there like we're about as close as it gets you know friendship wise and talking about what we're doing and all that type of stuff but um you know ralph uses the crushed coral he does an amazing job and um you know, my animals came from Ralph. They're, he had nothing but the most healthy animals. Ask anyone who's ever gotten one from him. He breeds the heck out of them. He does an amazing job. So I said, okay, Ralph, what do you think I should do? Um, and I've been to his place several times, so I just tried to emulate that. But here's a great example. You know, Chris and I, both part of the turtle room, both keeping Egyptians and keeping them different ways. Because really, you can do it right both ways. You can. And, and like... I said, like for the longest time, I use just exclusively oyster shell and it doesn't stop with Egyptians. I use it on the different other arid types of testudo. You know, you've got the Moroccan Greek tortoises, the, the Libyans, the Tunisians. They're all essentially bigger Egyptian tortoises. They live the exact same kind of lives, basically the same kind of environment. And a lot of them are coastal. And again, I, I use the oyster shell as at least a component in them. But for Egyptians, I've in the past plenty of times, I've used exclusively crushed oyster shell and or coral. And I think in the end, it's, it's, you got to keep in mind, especially, you know, this is the, the, these forums and online accessibilities are a wonderful thing, but at the same token, they bring a lot of heartache on there because you're going to get opinion after opinion, after opinion, after opinion, after opinion. Sometimes you got to pull back and you got to say to yourself, 
how long is this person that's telling me this is a bad thing been keeping the species? Have they done this with it? Have they done that with it? The whole nine. You got to take in the big picture. Opinions are fine. Everybody's entitled to it. But you do get a lot of tortoise parents, tortoise mom and dads that are that are just overly being overly pampering with these animals. They're wild animals. They've been on this planet longer than us. They know what they're doing. It's up to us to give them the basics, what they need, uh, what what is required for them to thrive, and then take a step back. Okay, you're constantly picking up the tortoise and, and you know making sure it's not eating this, it's not eating that. You're these are some of the people that you're dealing with that that are just that over the top. Okay, I find it to be a very safe substrate for that species and other arid dwelling tortoises, uh, including sand. Franks and beans. Naturally. High five, Cole. I think. All right. So can you hear me? Yeah. 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Um, I have Byron. He asked the question, does it seem that aquatic turtles are presenting more conservation problems across the globe than tortoise species? Probably. I would, I would say no. Um, I mean, look at the radiated confiscations. Yeah. Like, I think in general, the aquatic turtles maybe have smaller populations to begin with. But I mean, when you're when you're when you've got 361 species plus subspecies beyond that, and 61 percent of those species are threatened, endangered, critically endangered, or extinct in the wild, um, I think they're all. <laughs> you know, I, there's there, there's no split in the hair between the, the tortoise and the turtle here. And, you know, turtles in general are are in trouble. I, and, think, I think we tend to, you know, all right, we're, we're in the United States. So we do tend to hear a lot about turtles of our own country because our country is primarily made up of turtles and, and just a very few minute tortoises. Um, so we do, at least from what I can see, we hear a lot about our semi-terrestrial and aquatic turtles that are in dire need of help and trouble. And with the whole Asian turtle crisis that's been going on for so long, that's been forced down all of our throats over the years. So I think that, that like that cloud maybe makes us think that there, you know, there's more problems, but you know, I, I think you, Steve said it best with the radiated tortoise confiscations. I mean, two of them back to back, just, you know, unbelievable droves of them that are, you know, I don't even know how the hell somebody pulled that off. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's wild. It's really tough to quantify exactly, like to compare those two. You could take uh, countless different viewpoints to look at it because, I mean, like if you look at the nomenclature, like there are spots where turtles are just separated, map turtles, into mm -hmm. a million very similar species. Um, Cora, like the Asian box turtles. Um, and there's probably more turtle species that are in trouble than tortoise species that are in trouble, but there's more turtle more species tortoise. in general. But, more turtle species, yeah. Most endangered, I mean, arguably, well, you know. So the most endangered colonian is the um, Swinhoi, the, the Red River softshell turtle. There's yeah. like, But then you've got the plowshare tortoise that's right behind it, you know? No, it's not. Well, I mean, compared to other tortoises? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, there are there are other turtle species that are more rare than the plowshare. No, besides I, I know that. I'm, I'm talking strictly from the tortoises to, to answer Byron that, you know, there is, you know. Yeah. 
it's there's always going to be icons and, and we try to pick up these these icons and you know the problem with turtles and tortoises are they're not megafauna it's really difficult to find yeah. this large charismatic species that speaks to people in zoos right. and some of these species are so far gone that you know there's one zoo in the world where you can see them because there's three of them left did they find some though i, I thought i heard a yeah, ttbg that they just found two more found chuck schaefer was saying that but you know the other thing too is just to touch on it real quick you know sure we we may be seeing the this legislation coming in and these crazy horrific stories regarding you know aquatic turtles and asian turtles and stuff like that but look at russian tortoises okay that's got to stop all right i mean right now maybe there's a good amount of russian tortoises left okay but they keep coming over and coming over and coming over and coming over. And I mean, just, just piles of them continue to come in every year. Okay. So there's a tortoise that fast forward 30, 40 years from now, you know, our kids, if they're taking this over for us, they may be, that could be the new contestant. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh my God, it's a Russian tortoise. I can't remember the last time I saw one. It could happen. You know, yeah. there'll be a day when an Eastern painted turtle is a $200 animal probably. No. It's funny because, you know, I work for a vet now and I'm like the turtle guy around all the vet hospitals and they call me like there's one vet that called me because they got a, a, tort a Russian tortoise in for a, a yearly checkup and they, they never do yearly checkups on reptiles in general and never had a Russian tortoise. So she called me just to like brush up on her tortoise stuff. And um, but it's so funny because in all these interactions I have with people about Russians, they they have no idea that they're taken from the wild and sent. Yeah. Nobody says that to them. Armed. Yeah. Yeah. No, but nobody says that. So and it's so funny because it's supposed to keep us healthy. So now you're taking a wild animal from across the world mm -hmm. and plopping it on the people's kitchen floor mm -hmm. to walk around with their dog and and you know play with their kids who aren't washing animal, their hands afterwards. An animal that, spending its days in stony outcrops and and, and you yeah. know scrubland. You know what I mean? Like right. it's yeah. on linoleum. You know. It's horrible for the animal, and it's it's obviously unsafe for the for the families that the four inch law is supposed to protect. Right. We got off on a tangent. We do that. Yeah, we do. Sorry. Next All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, though, but one that yeah. I don't think can be answered. Yeah. It just can't. Yeah. It's yeah anyone could come on and make an argument and be right, but I don't think that solves the you know uh, wins the debate. Mm. No. Kevin. I, I don't have any other questions on the staff. I mean, on the chat right now. Oh, feel free to let us know that. I apologize. Actually, I love you, Kevin, so much. I love well, you so much, man. I just want you to know that at this moment. William actually just chimed in. What is your take on all of the Mexican species that are currently coming to the country? Oh, great is there question. Anything in effect that will try and negate the situation? The people have to well, be watching. You broke up there for a minute. What was the last half of it? Uh, is there sure. is there anything that's happening that could negate the situation? Not not that I've heard, but there's got to be people watching. And if you're one of those people who are selling them or buying them, proceed with caution because, you know, it's known how many of these animals came in legally. And all these people that are in South Texas that have countless Yucatan box turtles mm -hmm. and what are they? The spotlight box turtle, Nelsoni? And, spotted box turtle, yeah. Spotted, sorry. Spotted, and, and, and Mexican box turtles. You, you know, it, this is... This is serious, man. This is serious. The same thing with the uh, rhino clemmies just a few years ago. You know, you had rubita coming in. You had incis well, incisors. Well, incisors already coming in, but you had all those rare rhino clemmies popping up. You know, mm -hmm. melanosterna, rubita, um, paraxantha. 
Um, and it's the same thing now. If there, there's been a real influx with these Yucatan, Mexican, and Mexican box turtles. And I think the only reason we're not seeing Quahelan box turtles show up is because they're in such a small pocket that's so restricted and protected that I just don't think anybody can get into it. But Yucatans and, and Mexicans are more widespread. Um, there's no eyes on them in the wild, pretty much, you know. So I think that's what's happening there. But yeah, I mean, every single one, the ones here that we've gotten, the ones that everybody's getting, they're, they're, they're only coming in one way. Yeah. And not yeah. To yeah. So, and, and you could see it too. It's, it's clear as day. We see the same thing with Spangler Eye recently where everyone's buying out collections. I bought someone's collection and they have 15 of these turtles that never came to the States legally and they're all adults and, and you know, I need to sell them. And then a week later they're half price. Like, yeah, you know, where's the haste coming from? You know, yeah. there show me pictures of the enclosures. Yeah, you wouldn't be giving them away like that. Yeah, and um, the 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 haste, the need to get rid of them quickly, um, smells of of middlemen. In the end, it's unfortunate. They need to end up. You know, they're here. They're not going anywhere, unfortunately. So they need to end up in in the right places, hopefully, because there's just so many of them sitting on the the classifieds. It seems. But I think people should proceed with caution because. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I. I it's, it's yeah, it's it's you know something could happen. I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Ask with for it. paperwork. Ask for receipts. You know. Yeah. Do it right. That's really that's really good advice, and and you know I don't want to when get like when you say get the hopefully, <laughs> yeah. well, hopefully they they end up in the right hands. Like you hope that well-meaning people don't, right. you know try to scrape together the pennies to try to buy some and then end up getting in trouble yeah. because they're buying from an agent or something like just, you know, just proceed with caution and, you know, be careful. It's not worth it. Uh, you know, if you continue to do the right thing and try to, you know, be involved in the turtles and keep turtles and stuff like that, like you have a lot of time to, to make a name for yourself, make connections and get really cool turtles without having to, you know, be a part of risky behavior and uh just to add something if you already have one of these animals that we're talking about you know uh that you've gotten recently go get it checked out you know run some tests to find out what parasites are in there possibly that you can try to save your animal before a problem actually persists and shows up good call what do we got what do we got well here well we wait for another question I'm going to throw this up on the screen just because it's fun. <laughs> oh, nice shot. In the new tank, no less. What is that, Sulcata? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. I wonder if a lot of people even know that that species is a thing. Four-eyed turtles. It's a cool species, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed, cool one of my favorites. Species. They were on the video backdrop of our old Turtle News that uh, you didn't want to do anymore. Yeah, that sucked. Oh, I thought Kevin's it. work was fantastic with that. Kevin's work was amazing. Anthony's work sucked, and that's why it sucked as an experience. Yeah. All right, I'm going to yeah. try it out with a new newscaster then. Yeah, exactly. Get a new newscaster, man. Hey, you know, we had gotten an email from Jared Briggs. Yeah, I had sent it. Yeah, there's... this is the reason, and I should I should preface that by saying this is the reason why Chris is on tonight. Is uh, Jared had sent me an email, right? And so uh, yeah, let's let's uh, I forgot almost forgot about those questions. So 
since uh, it's running a little slow, um, we do we pro probably can, you know, have it put in another ten or fifteen minutes here, hopefully. Um, so, <clears throat> Chris, I'll let you pick one to answer. I'm going to give you three or four of them, and you can decide which, where you want to go. All right. Um, the major do's and don'ts of running your operation. Um, how to get started in an operation like yours. Um, building enclosures, ponds. I'm going to pick the do's and don'ts um, because that kind of goes with what we were talking about, what we took away from TTPG, um, admitting your mistakes, that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm going to say the first don't is kind of goes with the question that Cole had about oyster shell is doing research is a wonderful thing but it can also hurt you because of the amazing amount of opinions and overly opinionated people that are going to come through. So you have to, you have to get your heart set on something. And I think it starts with placing yourself in that animal situation as much as possible or a group of animals. Okay. For me, um, there are many different ways of how to keep and breed turtles. You know, my way is not the only way. Andrew's way is not the only way your guys way. You know what I mean? But I knew a way I wanted to do it. I wasn't going to let anybody sway me from it. So I stuck to what I felt, you know, what I grew up on, what I did my own research, weighing things out. Um, so I think the first don't is don't, you know, take, take everything with a grain of salt. Don't listen to everybody. Okay. If you've got, you know, these, these long-term breeders that are having incredible success by using oyster shell, well, then it must be okay, right? You know, um, just because one person comes out of the woodwork saying like, oh, well, mine died because of it, okay? It's, it's, it's six, one half a dozen of another. You know, anything can go wrong with anything, okay? There are, there are people that have, have experienced the most horrific situations where they've lost their entire operation because it burned down, okay? And it's not because somebody said, well, don't use that light. It, it just, for whatever reason, something electrical, whatever went wrong, that happened, okay? So... I think that's the first part is, is you got to believe in a way of how you want to do things. What starts with believing in yourself and, and go with that. Um, let me think of some of the other do's and don'ts. Um, what I would do, you have to immerse yourself. You have to completely immerse yourself in the operation, in the animals. Okay. I'm not one. Yeah. There, there are animals in my collection that, you know, Mickey the Aldabra, there's one right there. Like that, that tortoise is a pet, plain and simple. Okay. He may never breed in our lifetime, even if we were to get him, her a mate. Okay. But, um, you have to immerse yourself in, in this to the point where you are the protector, the guardian of those animals and what they're going to do in your care. Um, whether you give them all names and tuck them in at night or you just come out there, you know, ready to, ready to fight for them every single day. Basically, basically what I'm trying to get at here is, so you need to have a supportive family, a supportive spouse. You know, my, my wife is incredible. This is our life. These animals, you know, what we go to bat for them every single day, we never wouldn't. So that's, that's the first thing is, is I think people get this dream. Like I, I want to breed reptiles or I, I want to work with turtles, blah, blah, blah. But you know, depending on what level you want to do it on, if you're going to have to have a whole operation like I have, like Andrew has, like th that takes a, com a family commitment. You know, it's not just a see you later. I'm going to go play with my turtles type thing. And as much as all of us would love to be able to do that, you know, but you know, go ahead. 
I would say getting something that big, it isn't uh, that isn't something you you do overnight unless you're willing to take out some kind of small business loan to get started. Which I did, and it still took me years. You know. Well, you said you didn't, right? No, I did. did. I did take I did take out a small business loan, but it it took me uh, years to. I mean, you know, I mean, granted, I've grown up with turtles my whole life. You know, I had animals in my collection my entire life, but you know, it's uh. It's it's a major sacrifice. A, a single habitat can be a thousand dollars easily, mm-hmm. and then there's the money on the animals to go in it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Steve Rosen he just says, "What about sustainable growth? Not i.e., not overwhelming yourself in a short period of time in terms of animal numbers." Like, that's a great question. That's a great tip, like or a great point or whatever you want to call it. You know. Yeah, it, it, that that's another thing. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, and that that comes down to space too. And are you are you operating on your own? You know, I uh, my my wife is a stay at home mom, but and she helps me with this. She runs the terrapin nesting project in the summer. But a lot of times, I mean, it's just me out here. You know, and and it becomes overwhelming. And you know, talking about being sustainable and stuff. You know, you've got everybody and everyone taken from you all the time. Oh, this, the electric bill is a thousand dollars this month. You know, the phone bill from talking to people and dealing with stuff is $300 this month or, Oh, oh my God, they didn't have uh, uh, dandelion this week. They had curly endive, which is $74 instead of the normal $30. It was this week. That's stuff that I deal with on a, on a regular basis. You know, I just had to order pinky mice for some of our Cora. There goes $150 because of the amount that I needed, you know, and you have to understand that the return that may or may not come in from these animals is not going to necessarily happen within the next 24 hours. You know, it, it, it's, um, it requires patience. It requires financial backing. It requires a family effort, you know, unless you're on your own, you know, that, that's fine too. Yeah. But, um, you know, making it sustainable, I mean, that, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, Can I just say something? Yeah, please do. I have spent my entire life wanting to be Chris Leone and I can sit here and, and by, and not, not specifically you, I, I mean, obviously you're, you're a peach, I I'd love to be you, but to, to have your life, your job is to breed and raise turtles and tortoises. It is, you are living the dream, but, it's not always but, I, dream. but I'm going to tell you something. That's just, that's just, that's just the beginning of my statement. Mm-hmm. After getting to know you so closely and spending so much time there and seeing the struggle that you go through to make it work. The pressure that's on you, you lose power, lightning strike, small fire, whatever. Not that that's happened to you, but like there is so much at risk that I just, I could not do it. And if you ask me right now, I would not do it. And actually someone just asked me today, do you want to be Andrew? Do you want to be Chris? Like it's asking me about the kind of like, where do you see yourself in the future? What do you want to be? And the answer is no. Like, I think for me, turtles and, and tortoises are a hobby of mine. And I like it that way for the most part. I mean, there are certain things that I would change kind of my situation for certain opportunities and, and stuff, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think that's a way to go for me because I see the struggle. So I think when people look from the outside and, and this is what we do, this is what social media is. It's extension of, of the green lawn in yeah. your front yard, like, like putting up this facade that look, my life is perfect. This is so awesome. Look how good I got it. I take care of my, my SHIT and, and, and I'm the man and you, your social media is like that. It's a lot of celebrating your successes, but people don't see the, the, don't see the heartbreak. struggles as much, which is why the TTPG conference was great because people shared a lot of information, as you said, but being able to get to know you really closely, like it's, it's, 
it's a lot more uh, um, impressive than in that way than people would probably realize. Well, that's the, the amount of yeah, and that's the I think, thing. I think that's a great great thing to say because you know people, you know people don't know. And then that's fine. I don't know what everybody's dealing with every day of their life too. You know, and, and that's right. People just see, you know, on, on my Instagram, you know, I'm sitting there petting Mickey, the Aldabra, you know, or I'm hatching a bowsprit tortoise or, or, or whatever's going on that day or whatever. But you know, no, I'm not posting the uh, $333 vet bill I had last Monday to take a Herman's tortoise into the vet when she didn't even know what species it was. And she was asking me questions. Okay. Right. That, that, that's a struggle right there. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, right. wait a minute, the veterinarian. You know what I mean? I had to present to her what was really going on with this animal in order for her to be able to kind of diagnose anything, you know, and that's a struggle we go through because we're not, we're not dealing with dogs and cats. So finding a good vet, that's another do or don't, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I think the short way to, to say what Anthony was saying was he's jealous of you, but he's not jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a job. It's it's a job just like anything else. And there are unbelievable, amazing aspects of it that I feel completely, utterly blessed every moment for. But then there are some things just like the rest of you where I, I just want to rip my hair out and and, and scream. You know, when, when, when I send you a weather alert or our weather yeah. guy or yeah. sends yeah. you a weather yeah. alert. There you go. Weather. Oh, man. So, oh, there's a, there's a do. Um, one of the things we've invested in is a, basically we have a weather guy we pay mm -hmm. to provide us with specifics, specific weather alerts. So we know when we need to act to prepare for something that may throw a wrench in our plans, you know, for, you know, for the turtle survival center, that can be like one of those hurricanes or something that's coming. And all of a sudden they have to, you know, batten down the hatches and prepare everything for us. It can be a winter storm to a tropical system to a lot of different things can happen up here in the mid Atlantic region where, where Chris and I are. And where most of us here, like all of us right here on the, on the show right now are all in the mid Atlantic region, you know, Connecticut, PA, New Jersey. And so being able to go look two weeks out and go, Ooh, we might have a cold snap in a week and a half that these animals can't handle. How am I going to prepare for that? Like, as opposed to, Oh crap. The model, because the models that you just see on your little app, that's just basically coming directly from the model, right? That's can swing wildly. But when you have somebody who's like doing a little more analysis with that information, providing you with personalized service, like how does it really impact Galloway as opposed to, and I, you know, I think uh, overall, the I think overall, it, you know, with the do's and don'ts, and, and and you know, getting started with an operation, weather's weather's a big thing because you do you have to think of specifics. Something as simple as like, oh, oh, there's snow coming. Okay, well, my animals are batted down, everything's fine. Well, what happens if the snow weighs down the poly polycarbonate panels of a greenhouse? You know what I mean? That's something I I, I can't just be like, oh, they're fine, they're in a the greenhouse. Well, what if what if something goes wrong? So that's the kind of stuff you have to think about, and you know, choosing the right area too. I'm very comfortable where I am. I can keep almost anything here. Um, I, but I do have a building to help me out in the winter. So I don't want to leave here. You know, there's not somewhere else that I would prefer to go, at least not in this point in my life, but weather conditions, th those are do's and don'ts. You know, if, if you're all the way down in Florida, South Florida, where you're pretty much going to be year all round, there's a lot of species you can breed and there's a lot you can't, you know, same thing as if you live all the way up in Maine, you know? Yeah. Pros and cons. Pros and cons. So. Um, there was another one here from, uh, Rosie, uh, said, what about, uh, dealing with burnout tips on that? 
that's a good one. That's a really good one because when it, when it becomes your job, it becomes work and it is. And I, I'm fortunate enough where I still love these things with every ounce that I'm made of. Uh, I, I love these animals. Of course, I have my favorite species, but I, I don't give them more than I than I give other species that are not my favorites. Everybody gets treated like gold here, you know, but it, it does. It burns you out. But you know what I find? I find the people are the ones that can actually burn you out, not the animals. OK, the day that you decide to keep live animals, you are signing up for death. Okay, that's it. You are signing yeah. right there on that dotted line. You are accepting the fact that you are going to lose some, uh, you know, you're yeah. going to lose some animals. That's it. That's going to happen. You can't, you can't let that part tear you down. In fact, you can't let anything tear you down. But that goes back to the first don't or do that I, that I said was taking what everybody says with a grain of salt because people will try to tear you down. They, re they really, really will. And, and it, it, can, it, it hurts sometimes. It stabs. Yeah. I, it's you know, all I'm relative. Like, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've helped manage some, you know, a large collection in the past. And sometimes it feels like every other day you're going in there and finding a dead animal. And it's just like, what the heck happened? And like, it goes in waves like that. You could go months without having any issues. And all of a sudden you find like three animals that just decided to fall over dead in, in a week or two's time. What was that? And then there comes the necropsies to make sure that there's yeah. nothing going around in the group, you know? But yeah, it's just... It's all relative. People look at it and say, oh my gosh, look at the animals he gets to work with. I would dream to work with those animals. I would dream to have that lifestyle. But they don't realize like there are people who dream of having a diamondback terrapin one day. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you work with diamondback terrapins every day. It looks so cool, but it's all relative. Like to you, all of these animals, there's risk involved. There's money tied into them. Um, and, and your livelihood is tied into them. So it, you, it takes on a much different meaning and, and there's a pressure involved. Um, and then you mentioned how the people can tear you down, but also, I mean, and not to say that you're pessimistic cause I know that you're, you're not, but, but you know, what we talked about with the TTPG talk, man, the people are what's, you get to a certain level that you're at where there, there is no milestone to achieve. If you really want Galapagos tortoises, you're going to have them. If you really want, like there are, there are exceptions to that rule. You could just go Pokemon and just try to get them all, but, but <laughs> yeah, people, some people bring, bring, bring pretty, wow. Again with me bring plenty of good to this too you know what i mean right like my father you guys that that's what keeps yes. me going it's not just exactly that, and that know? that ends up being what you do it for i, I <laughs> when i go to expos i'm not going anymore trying to buy animals i'm right. going to try to talk to the person who's interested in similar things that experience i had with with james hall at ttpg and with so many other people with, with yeah. james krause how cool was james krause oh, like james being able to connect with these oh, people james james oh my gosh he was awesome like awesome. being able to connect with these people that's why you do it and that's what keeps you going sometimes so here's going to be my my thing here. Yeah, build yourself a network. Like when Chris, Anthony, or I are having a crappy turtle day, you know who we call? Each other. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, we have each other on speed dial. And sometimes we just check in too. It's just like, hey, how are things going, bro? And like build yourself that network. Like um, that way you can kind of bounce ideas. You have somebody you trust to bounce ideas off of. To, even if it's something you've already tried, they might phrase it a different way, which might give you a slightly different idea based on what you already tried. Like, there's just a million reasons why having like one or two or a handful of people you really trust. You need your friends. You, you, plain and simple, you need your friends. And when you find a close-knit group of friends, they become family. You, they're not going to turn your back on you, which is what you're going to need 
because the people that don't know you, the people that are just there to try to stir the pot, they're going to try to bring you down. But that's in anything. You could be a musician. You could be an actor. Somebody's going to tell you you suck. That's just the name of the game. You know You know what we should do? We should do, you know, they do like the celebrity tweets where they read the mean tw tweets. Yeah, mean tweets. That's terrific. Yeah, we should do that on here because I, I got a bunch that I would <laughs> Oh, yeah. We should you have mean tweets? That would be a fun episode, yeah. actually. Yeah. Turtle that's tweets. Mean, mean, mean turtle tweets. tweets. Yeah. But listen, just to end that because I know we're running out of time here. Number one, don't let people tear you down. Number two, make sure you have the right people by your side. And number three, which I think is the most important, never stop loving that animal or those animals. That's what it has to be. The minute that you stop loving them and you start looking them as nothing more than a project, that's it. You're burnt out. It's over. And that's something that has not happened to me and I hope never will. And I don't see it happening because this is my life and I honestly I wouldn't have it any other way. Such a liar. What? I'm just kidding. That was really beautiful. <laughs> 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 I really mean it. You know, that's beautiful, man. I, this, if you want to know what TTPG was like, that's it. Me making fun of yeah. Chris at his like his like his drop the mic moments, just like making yeah. fun of him. Yeah, I I was ruthless with you, but we had such a good time, and you're such a good sport too. You really are. We just had fun, and you made fun of me too. Oh, I got you for, good a couple times. Yeah, for being no, big and ugly. We have to have a conference that all three of us are able to be at. Yeah, I know. I know. It's funny because the TTPG is so rough for you, Steve, because it's during Schedule your wise. anniversary, right? And well, then and, and it's in the middle of the school year. Yeah, right. right. Personal day teacher, right? Right. You and know. TSA is so tough for me schedule wise, and I try to talk to wifey about it, but it's just difficult. So Chris is the only one of us that's been to both. So, yeah. Man. Yeah. We well, already knew. You're at one. You have one each, right, Chris? Yes, sir. And Anthony, you've got what two or three TTPGs now? Two. Two, all and, right. And you've been at every TSA since 2002? <laughs> no, no. 15, so 15, 16, 17. So I've got four TSAs in a row now. and That's awesome. I, and I, I, can never, I can't see myself ever missing another TSA. It's like it's already on the calendar, even though we don't know exact dates. I know enough of a time frame that, yeah. you know. That's awesome. That's all. And we appreciate that a lot, too, because it's important, you know, you know to what? get out there and network and everything. And we, uh, we do it on behalf of each other at these. Yeah. Real quick, you know, um, since we're talking about just being involved and having an operation or having a life with turtles and tortoises, that's a great one right there. You got to be active. You got to be out there. You can't just sit behind a computer, sell your animals, or at least that's not how I feel. You know, I'm not trying to tell anybody how they should be doing things, but, you know, part of the fun of it is being active. You know, and, you know, we all get anxiety before we go to these things and stuff, and there's always, we always have worries and everything, but those, like, I mean, I, I, you know, going out to TTPG and when I went to TSA, you know, you feel like a million bucks after you leave, you know, it's, it's yeah. just, great. so it's just so, it's a wonderful experience. And it's the kind of stuff that makes you come home and say, Oh, I'm ready to get back to things and ready to see my animals. And I'm ready to, to just yeah. try to do the next big it thing. Kind of gives you that, that high. Yeah, exactly. That, it is that, a high. That, yeah. that puts you in, in line to make it for the next couple months. Yeah. Or to the next year to the next conference. Yeah, whatever it happens to be. Exactly. Uh, you know, um, lots of cool stuff can get started there. I know we, we've gotten conservation projects started with a collaboration that began at a conference. You might start a breeding collaboration because of a talk, uh, you know, conversation, a conference, whatever. So lot, lots of great stuff there. Well, right. ladies and gentlemen, uh, any last words, Anthony, Chris? I would like to say one last thing, just, just piggybacking on that. You know, a lot of people especially some people who have been involved in this stuff for a long time, decades even, 
tend to stay quiet. They like to to stay below, you know, the radar, um, sell animals uh, off the classifieds or sell through friends. They don't want to be out there. And I understand that. I hate selling animals too. But a lot of times they end up taking on more and more projects, getting busier, getting burnt out and not sharing information the way we saw at TTPG. And it's such an important opportunity that we each have to educate the next generation, to educate each other. There are things, I mean, Chris hatched an angulated tortoise because he shaved the eggshell with sandpaper or sanded the eggshell with sandpaper. What? That's incredible. And he actually got that idea from someone else. Right. And, and now is sharing that idea. And that was, that was an idea that we shared at, at the I was admitting my faults. I was saying, I was pleading with people. I was like, somebody help me here. I can't hatch one of these yeah. things. But of course the second right. one goes and hatches on its own. Right. <laughs> but that first one, that breakthrough literally <laughs> and figuratively happened <laughs> because of information that was shared by someone else yeah. from the private sector. And you were able, right. It was for someone from the private sector, right. I'm not making that up. Not from oh, a yeah. zoo. Yeah. And then you were able to share that information with, yeah. with others now. And, and it makes the world a better place for those animals. They're going to keep getting imported. So maybe if we can start to get some captive bred ones going here, then we don't need them to, you know, to have a situation like the Russian tortoise. It's yeah, not that they right. were. That's the big picture there. Yeah. Share the I think information. You know, one of the things I think that's funny about that is one of the things we talked about is we're trying to figure out how to hatch these angulators. We're like, we need to find a way to weaken the eggshell. And we never thought to use sandpaper. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, we got a week in the eggshell. Maybe it's like the, you know, the, the, and then somebody says sandpaper, and we're like, it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. that sounds wow. really dumb, but I'm trying. <laughs> Here you go. It's amazing yeah. though, and that's that's the sort of victory that you can have when you take a role, you know, that's more educational as opposed to just, you know, I'm doing this for me to entertain myself, and maybe I'll tell my friends, but I don't want them to tell everyone because I don't want people to know I have this species or whatever. Not, and I understand yeah. that, but we. You know, we're working with turtles and tortoises, and they're one of, if not the most endangered vertebrate group on the planet. And we owe it to them to be able to, you know, put our money where our mouth is and, yeah. and you know, help make the world a better place for them so they can stop being taken from the wild more than they need to be. And so that they can be here when the world changes and we can bring, you know, send them back to their uh, native habitats. And I yep. think, you know, it, it's important to know important to say that, you know, and I've said this before, especially to you guys, you know, and it goes along with, with uh, admitting your faults. There is no such thing as an expert in this field. No such thing. The animals are the experts. We learn from them. But the only way we're going to learn is if we compare our experiences, share what we can and admit our faults. Beautiful. Awesome. All right. I think that's a great place to end. Ladies and gentlemen, we're glad to have you with us. Keep learning, keep growing, uh, keep loving. Keep shining. Nothing you can always count on me. All right. For Anthony Pierleone and Chris Leone, I'm Steve Enders. And we'll catch you on the – oh, first first Monday in January, January 7th, episode 50. Episode 50. We're going to do – it's all about – what you want to hear give us your questions we'll give you our answers we're going to put up a form we're going to advertise this send your questions in through that form once we get it on that way we just have this sheet where we can just go through and answer whatever is on your mind all right so that's big number 50 coming on january 7th all right calendars 
Yeah, mark your calendars. January 7th, uh, it's all about uh, the listeners' questions. And maybe uh, you'll maybe you even have some podcast memories you want to bring up. All right? So have a great night. We'll catch you on the other side.